Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Real wolves are social creatures. They need and crave a group to belong to in order to survive and thrive. The same is true for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now join host Henry Lake as he gets an inside look with another prominent member of the club. This is Life in the Pack. All right, welcome to a second season of the Minnesota Timberwolves Life in the Pack podcast. The Life in the Pack podcast is where we talk to Minnesota Timberwolves players, both past and present, coaches, and different people from the team's front office staff. The first episode of the Life in the Pack podcast for the 2022-23 season features the new president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly. He's representing Baltimore, Maryland. I'm not sure whether I was supposed to supply some blue crab or not, but Tim... Welcome to Minnesota. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah, good. It's been it's been a whirlwind, but it's been pretty cool getting to know this this city and state. Um, working with a great group of people. Um, you know, we've been up and down the first eight games, so you know, always expect frustrating moments. You're putting so many new faces together, but all in all, I think um, you know, I really we've really enjoyed our time here thus far, and um, no complaints. It has to be an exciting time for you, just kind of like transitioning and being new. Um, I know that in any walk of life or any job, you know, somebody's going to have those butterflies. You're going to have those those exciting moments. Um, just are you kind of in that that mode right now? Yeah, it's funny. I'm pretty uh, stoic during games. I'm pretty laid back. And my previous job, wins or losses, um, you know, you, you know how many there are. So you try tend not to take it home. But these eight games, they've been way too uh, uh, stressful. <laughs> you know, I've, yeah, it's a new spot. A new responsibility. You want to make sure you're doing everything possible to um, try to help in, in any small way the team can be successful. So I got to relax a little bit. Um, it's, um, it, but it's exciting. It's exciting to see all these new faces. It's exciting beyond this building. Just get to know a, a really cool city, and um, you know we've been fortunate to see um, a, a lot neat, a lot of neat things in the Twin Cities. Meet a lot of cool people. So again, it's been a, a whirlwind, but it's been an exciting one. I like the nerves, man, because it's real. Like, that's that's real from you. I, we, we were in the hallway one time during one of the games late. It was kind of an intense game, and, and you had a, a little bit of jitters and nerves. So I, I like that. But let me ask you this. Let's start with why Minnesota? Because there are a few things. What were some of the few things that about this situation that were super intriguing to you? Because you already had a great job with Denver, and you had a lot of success there. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. And when you talk to the leadership uh, – Certainly, Glenn and Becky and, and Mark and Alex, you got excited. And then as the conversations started to develop and went beyond just cursory conversations, you, you start envisioning what it might look like. 
I've known Chris Finch for a very long time. I know how good a coach he is. I was fortunate enough to work with Mike and Kevin Hansen. I know a couple of the guys in the front office. So it wasn't a complete blank slate relative to having relationships within the building. And then sometimes you kind of just, you know, you want to close your eyes and, and um, take a chance. I think challenges really motivate me professionally. This organization is a, is a really good one, but hasn't won to the level that I think we all expect. It hasn't had the success that any of us would, would probably have hoped for from, from um, you know, it's been a long, long time since we won a playoff series. So mm-hmm. um, I, I knew a decent amount about the city. Flip Saunders, Ryan Saunders, um, that family, I was pretty close with those guys. You know, Milt Newton was here, Calvin Booth was here. So I always knew this was a good place to live and it was good people. Um, so all those, all those things kind of converged and said, why not? Let's take a leap of faith and um, work with cool people and see if we can't have some success. I think one of the things in life where you allow yourself to grow is allowing yourself to dream. And just kind of like when you're in that mode of thinking about even taking a job, you're taking a leap of faith like you just said. No, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's I, I can't say enough about our time in Denver and the people and the, the life moments we've had. And you have both our children there. And uh, my boss, Josh Kroenke, is one of my best friends. Uh, Michael Malone is one of my best friends. Obviously, Calvin Booth is one of my best friends. So there, there is nothing but great memories in Denver and um, those guys are the absolute best so it's never easy to leave something that's that special but uh, professionally you never know which way your career is going to turn and we felt as a family we thought this was a a right time to kind of make a turn. You know in the press conference uh, when you were introduced you said that the Timberwolves were already headed in the right direction and that you just didn't want to screw it up. Um, is that a challenge in itself for you to kind of fine tune or tweak things for the team to go next level without feeling like you've made a mistake to sidetrack the plans? Sure. I mean, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm sure I've already made a bunch of mistakes. It's it's a mistake business, but I think if you're consistent with the kind of your inputs, hopefully you have enough good outputs. And we have a fantastic core. We have great ownership. We have Chris Finch is a special coach with a great staff. We have, um, I think, a, a unique core of high-end talent. So there's so much to work with and around. And, you know, again, it's a mistake business. So how do you how do you cross your fingers and hope your mistakes aren't so debilitating that you can't take that next step? Um, it's far from an exact science. And I think anyone who claims to, to have all the answers probably run the other way. Um, we're still talking about you know, really young guys. Um, you're drafting these kids at 18, 19 years old. You have no idea how the lifestyle could impact a guy. You know, I have no idea how the environment of the team can either kind of promote or stunt growth. So kind of being aware of how how much luck's involved and how much um, how little we control, it's kind of liberating. But certainly it's a lot of responsibility because – you, know, you come here to win. You come here to produce a team that the city's going to be really proud of. And, again, hopefully that I, I can play some small part of that um, next step in the maturation of a team that's I think is moving in the right direction. We're talking to President of Basketball Operations, Tim Conley, here on the Life in the Pack podcast. So tell me a little bit about the young Tim Conley, your family background, because uh, it sounds like you come from a big family. you got a, you got a bunch of brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm one of seven. I have four brothers, two sisters. Um, you know, we all grew up in uh, Baltimore City. Uh, loved all sports. wasn't specific to basketball. I think the kind of the the big um, fork in the road relative to sports that most grabbed us is we went to this high school, Towson Catholic. The boys did um, small co-ed Catholic school that closed down maybe a decade ago that had really good basketball. They had the best girls team in the country in the 80s. 
Um, in my four years, I don't know, we had seven or eight Division One players, and mm. you're talking about graduating classes of 25 and 30. So it's really, uh, yeah, that's really like, small. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Gene Shu, Dante Green. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some random guys who've been there and spent time in the NBA. The so, guys. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they had a little pipeline going. So, you growing up in an environment, um, you know, you didn't realize how uncommon it was to have that many players that you grew up with, or um, I mean, Minnesota's much the same there's so much good basketball in the twin cities so when you're on that level of talent and certainly we were not that level of talent uh, it, it kind of opens your eyes to some of the possibilities of how you can make the game um, how can you work in the game without playing so I, I think growing up in the city certainly growing up around a lot of really really talented people coaches and people that cared about the game uh, kind of led me to where I am today yeah, I was going to ask you that to, to kind of follow up just in terms of like, because you talked about like you're a fan of sports and, and, and your family, you, you love all the different sports. But I was kind of wondering about that hoops influence, whether it was a, a brother, whether it's your, your pops or, you know, anybody within your school. Um, it could have been any sport. I just mm-hmm. wanted to work in sports. Yeah. Growing up, the two sports that really that I cared about the most, two teams, excuse me, the Baltimore Orioles, loved them, uh, you know, went to a million games. Worked at Camden Yards and Memorial Stadium and concession stands, mm. um, and Maryland basketball. So if, if I could, if, if you asked a twelve-year-old me what I want to do, if I could work at Maryland basketball at the Baltimore Orioles, be the happiest guy in the world. It's I think that high school experience and being in such a talent-rich environment um, opened opened so many doors. You know where you have, you know our little crappy high school. You look up and uh, Mike Shishovsky's there or Jim Beheim's there and you know it's a, you know it's special or Gary Williams, but you don't realize how unique it is. You don't realize that you know most most cities, most schools don't have that many Division One players. So I think that was kind of the a watershed moment relative to the sports. But um, when I was in high school, when I was in college, you know I, I was trying hard to get any internship. Basketball was my preference, but I would have also ran to something in baseball or football or uh, we used to go to a lot of minor league hockey games growing up. So yeah. big family. Oftentimes, the cheapest sports entertainment. I'm sorry, is is, is sports. So, um, we were we were at it. Whether it's a you know a Loyola game or a Morgan game or a minor league hockey game or a million Orioles games, it was a great way to kind of keep us entertained. What was your college experience like? Because you attended both Fordham and Catholic University. Yeah. Uh there it was fun. I mean, I was you know not not a real boom in social life. <laughs> <laughs> Fordham was great. Going to school in New York City. You know, it's there's nothing like it. The energy. The just the vibe of the city is impossible to replicate. Um, you know, wanted to maybe attempt to play. Fordham was a Division One school. I had a buddy playing at Catholic. Uh, so I, I was concurrently trying to get internships. I wrote some letters to all the East Coast teams, so the Nets, Knicks, Sixers, and at the time the Bullets. Um, you know, no big loss for the Catholic program that I was unable to suit up for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, as a turnover-prone guard, you know, who, who couldn't shoot, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think coaching staff was too bummed when I, I wasn't able to kind of play there. So um, when I got to Catholic, I got the internship and kind of moved my schedule around, had a bunch of random jobs, and that kind of gave, put me on a, the, the path literally to where I am today. Um, tried countless times to get a paid job. I worked for free for, I don't know, three or four years, and I've got a. My wife found it the other day when my parents were moving. It was a, a, f, a f rejection letter from a college team. I was trying to be a, a graduate assistant, while, mm-hmm. and that was like three years into my internship. So kind of spoke to my desperation yeah. that I wanted to go take another unpaid job. Um, so again, yeah, it's it's a wild path. I tell everyone if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. Um, I was super super lucky, the right place, right time. 
worked for and with some great people that cared about my uh, maturation, that, that really advocated for my growth. Um, but I would, you know, I never, I never had any intent or desire to be a GM. I wanted to be a, a scout. That's what I wanted to be, a lead yeah. scout that you make enough money that you can live an okay life and still just watch hoops and, and tell guys um, you know, who can and cannot play. All right, you got to give me your favorite three players out of the Baltimore area. And and I asked that just because, like, when I think about, like, my three, um, I loved Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Reggie Williams at Georgetown, he was so smooth, man, back in the day. And then I loved Juan Dixon. Yep. I loved Juan Dixon in Maryland. He was just he was he was awesome. I loved the story. I love when they won a national championship against India. I, actually, that was like one of the first Final Fours I ever like went to when I was uh, that was uh, Atlanta. Yep. And so uh, Indiana Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Indiana Maryland. Jared so, Jeffries and then lost to yeah of those guys. Yeah. So give me your yeah. three. I uh, Melo just watched him grow up. My older brother, you know, was was like a big brother to him. They were hit, Mello and my little brother played on the same JV team. So watching that, um, I loved Reggie Lewis. Uh, you know, mm. uh, obviously Northeastern, in the Celtics. Yeah. He was a guy that it's you know we didn't have cable, so you're watching the NBA and you saw a lot of Celtics, so you saw them all the time. I and I probably have Sam Cassell with his personality and um, you know watching him develop into a really good coach. Obviously, the success he had in Minnesota, and you know Sam's just Sam. Sam, he's a fun mm-hmm. guy to be around. So they're, they're my three guys, um, love Juan. I was between Juan and his brother Phil, so played against him with those guys a lot. It was you know was with Juan in DC. He's, you know, Keith Booth was from around there, right? Yep, Keith. Keith would be up there. He's a great, great, great guy. Great career at Maryland. Um, you played for those Bulls teams that uh, won it all. But there's there's no shortage of guys. Also, he wasn't the Baltimore guy, but I loved Walt Williams. That was one of my oh I for sure. Him. Yeah, Maryland was coming out of a tough time where they couldn't. You know, they were kind of still on unsubly probation, and and Walt stuck around, and he, he was. So much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, is it true that you wrote to the Washington Wizards and ended up getting an internship with the team eventually in basketball operations starting as a video coordinator? Yeah, it was the Washington Bullets, though, when I wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my mom got me this book. You know, it was kind of predated the kind of the normalcy of the internet and email. How to get a job in sports. Chuck Douglas was um, was one of the lead guys there. I wrote to him, and he was nice enough to write back. And you know, oh, a couple months or two later, I have an internship. That that's that's incredible. You know what? That 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 really hits home for me because I have a very similar story. So when I was graduating from Morehouse, um, I was a media press steward for the uh, Olympic basketball um, at that at, in that year, right? And so when I was graduating, I sent off. It's very similar to your story. I sent off these letters to a bunch of different teams, um, just inquiring about internships. And um, a bu- uh, I would say maybe a third of the teams hit me back with a letter. And but one specific person wrote me back a handwritten letter, and it was Pete Babcock. Oh, that's so cool! And I was a big fan of his when he was with the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Great guy. And so I actually met him at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And so we met, and we're talking uh, in a back hallway. And he said, "Hey, I know that you, you know, you said that you're moving back to Minnesota. I know you got an education job and all that stuff. My brother Rob is in Minnesota. I want you to reach out to him when you get to Minnesota." And in 1998, it was like about a year and a half later, I ended up doing an internship in in, in um, community relations uh, with the Wolves for a couple of years. And it just like he was the greatest guy so ever. Cool. Rest in peace to right. Yeah. yeah. So it, I, when you say that, it's kind of I just think about like my own existence and my my history. too. Yeah. With it. So cool. And the Babcocks. Awesome. Rob's great. Pete, Dave, just great people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nate was coaching our G League team last year. Another just good, good family. 
Yeah. All right. So how has scouting changed throughout the years? Because you talked about you want to be a, a scout. There's so many more places to cover with the game being so global. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Dirk Nowitzki in the Global Summit, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's become easier, but I think it's become harder. because Almost more information. It can be a bit of overload. Um, you know. Easier because of technology? Yeah, easier because of technology. And we're all connected. I, I mean, I remember there were these guys, a buddy would sell, send your, sorry, sell European videos. And you had to know the guy. You had to know, you know, he was in Bologna, Italy. You had to know how to get to him. There was no, you couldn't buy it with a credit card. You can go to a website. You couldn't email him. You had to literally go there and say, yo, what do you have? You have the Beedrins versus Petro tape. That was a tape that was really coveted and was only held by, you know, a handful of teams. Um, so it, it was kind of fun. It was kind of neat. It felt kind of, you know, you, you were doing a little detective work. So it was like walking into like a, a record store asking for a mixtape. Yeah, it was exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Exactly. It was like a Ron G tape, man. So <laughs> it was really neat. And you felt, you know, you felt cool. Hey, we're one of the six teams that has this guy's yeah. under 18 European championship from Riga, Latvia. Everything's at the, the, uh, at a, the tip of fingers now with technology. And I think the other thing where it's really shifted is um, all the information that we have, everyone has. So there's, you know, I don't think there's much that that we're not looking. Um, Talking about that, like, um, you know, there's not there's not much that we see that the whole world doesn't see the exact same thing. Um, with that, kind of takes away some of the novelty of it, some of the romanticized parts of scouting, the really fun parts where, hey, like I, I went to see uh, Giannis on an under under eighteen game. It was a ten o'clock at night game. I don't know whatever it was nine ten years ago. Went to Europe for two nights to see him, and it felt it was it was neat. I was the first one to see him, and not not the first one, the first one of the first domestic guys to go to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not the first to see him. Our, our your own Arbel works for Golden State. He was he was the guy smart enough to say, "Hey, go watch this guy." It was like a bad JV game, and they lost the game, but it was the it was that love. It was fun. It was exciting. You weren't there with twenty other scouts. You weren't you weren't there at a game that that's being streamed or. Um, and I think over the last decade or so, um, just everything is above board. There are no secrets. So now, now it's kind of an arms race with intel, how much you know about a guy. And I think that's where I think we've gotten worse. We almost know too much about guys, mm-hmm. you know, too much about their background. I think you have to do know just enough. And I think more, more specifically, you have to talk to people you have real relationships with. Yeah, um, it's Just cold calling a coach. I don't know if it's that productive, but we, you know, if it was ten years ago, we go watch a guy at the U. Hey, I talked to assistant coach, talked to his high school coach, and my boy's the strength coach. Done. By the time we hit the draft, we're gonna have we're gonna have you know twenty intel reports, and sometimes you pour through these things. Like I don't know if the guy's a good guy or a serial killer right now. You yeah. know, when yeah. you read enough of them. So I think interestingly enough, I don't know if we're getting better or worse at it, but we certainly have more to um, get through prior to make a decision. All right, speaking of how global the game is, your first big move in this job was acquiring Rudy Gobert. Uh, what was it about him as a player and as a person where you said that this is a guy I just have to have and we got to get a deal done? Yeah, we, I mean, we gave up a ton. You know, we gave up a ton of draft picks, gave up some really good players. Um, you know, guys going to be good players for a long time. So it was not an easy decision by any stretch. I think it was several things. We know what Rudy does, he's an elite player. It's hard to get elite players who were under contract and who were excited to be in market, right? So he was excited to be here, which was meant a lot. Um, you know, we weren't able to talk to him directly, but having those kind of secondhand conversations, say, hey, well, how would he feel about coming here? And he was excited. Um, 
we know how difficult it is, um, period, to get you know add a top uh, player, um, regardless of position, regardless of of um, of market. So it's those two things instantly kind of became appealing, and we thought he was he's one of the few elite elite guys that both could complement and uh, protect our, our pre-existing core without kind of getting in their way. I mean, there's going to be, as we've seen already in these eight games, there's going to be some um, challenges, mm-hmm. and we kind of expected a clunky start, and we got to get better across the board. We're not playing the way we should be playing, and hopefully we will play. Um, but we thought eventually, um, as these guys get more acclimated to each other, and, and Finch, again, is such a great coach, as you look at Cat, what he does – Really good, and where he can need some help. Um, you know what he does really good is not something that Rudy does really good, and we think Rudy can help him in those areas. Obviously, um, you look at D'Lo. Anytime you can have a rim protector like um, Rudy, you can have a lob threat like Rudy. It's a guy that can really help his development. So we thought it was a, a pretty unique opportunity that doesn't often come along to add a guy that could um, kind of enhance what's already a strong core. And he wants to be you know in Minnesota and. You know, uh, frankly, it's you know not everybody wants to be here. You know, not mm-hmm. everybody wants to be in, in the Denver's or Minnesota. So, how do we um, identify guys that really appreciate how special this city is? And um, that means a lot. Well, Minnesotans they like people that like to be here too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's important. But I think yeah. it's really important, and we can't. You know, if that's a plus if you don't sure. want to be here, it's going to be hard for us to to um, be a special team. If every day you're coming to work and you're unhappy about where you're living, then I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna pretty quickly reach a glass ceiling. So. But it's going to be a continued point of focus for us. Is hey, this is a really really cool place to live? The people are great. It's a it's a really good sports town. It's starved for a winner from the basketball uh, side. So um, if you don't want to be here, you're probably not for us. I don't know if you ever get into comps when talking about players, so I'm not going to demand one from you. But how good do you think Anthony Edwards can be? I think he'd be great. I think he could be you know Hall of Fame great. I think he can be one of the best two way players in our league. I think. That, with emphasis on two-way, when he locks in defensively, there's not. It, it's rare you see a 21-year-old guy who can be that, that locked in defensively and and guard that many positions and guard at such a high level. So I think our consistent challenge him every single day is you know we know you're going to be really really good. You're already really really good, and with that it's going to come all the spoils of being a really really good NBA player. But it, we'd be failing in our job if we don't if we don't push you and promote you and hold you to a super high standard to be great and to be one of the best Timberwolves to you know ever put on the jersey. You know, you're a basketball geek like me. And when I say Street and Smith or Scholastic Sports America, uh, Blue Ribbon Basketball, names like Bob Gibbons, uh, George Raveling, I bet you get giddy like me. Because um, that's that if you know, you know type of stuff, right? You said earlier that you didn't go into this wanting to be a general manager. But you you essentially are, right? Like, Because you're the president of basketball operations. Is this a dream job for you? It's a dream job. Yeah. I mean, but I think the dream of dream job is maybe the, the job before you're in this seat where you're just scouting and um, you know, trying to help help put out fires and, and, and trying to help um, players and coaches develop. And then you kind of go home and the next day you say, oh, did we make that? Did we make that trade or did we sign that guy? Mm-hmm. So it's certainly um, almost all the fun without any of the responsibility. Um, but it's certainly it, we work in basketball. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Um, again, Sincerely, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm not. I'm not the smartest guy. I struggle across the board in so many different areas in my job. But I've been fortunate to be surrounded by really smart people who can kind of, again, just like Rudy, with our guys can both augment and protect me. 
Um, so it's a dream job working in sports. It's a dream job working around people that are so passionate. Um, so in, in that in that regard, absolutely. I joke though, my real dream job now is I want to be one of these consultants just goes to five or six games a month and say, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. And mm-hmm. I'll see you at the draft. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. A few more questions on the uh, Life in the Pack podcast with President of Basketball Operations, uh, Tim Connolly. Um, have you traded your purple Ravens jersey in for a Vikings jersey yet? I have not. You know, but I went to the Vikings game on Sunday. Um, you know, because he was nice enough to host me and my son and, and Dell Dempson's suite. We had some mutual friends from back east. It was awesome um, hanging out with um, the Twins guys. It was great. It was really fun. Really mm-hmm. fun just kind of talking local sports and uh, a huge win. Uh, really fun game, too. I mean, watching, watching both defenses trying to stop elite receivers was really, really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to meet uh, Kevin O'Connell a couple weeks ago. He sat with my family at a game. Uh, we had a mutual friend out know the Rams guys really well so it's, it's we just had Justin Jefferson last week it was courtside for the for the Lakers game yeah I mean, that, that, guy's, that guy's electric and I you know I I'm not a big college football guy but I follow LSU from living down there so mm-hmm. I followed his career pretty close I think and I think he went to the same high school as Ed Reed he's from Destrehan I think okay I'm not sure about his high school background I, I think he's yeah. from Destrehan Louisiana I think okay. so hey it's the neatest thing is, is being around um being in, in a community right and Sunday you felt like you felt the how close that the sports community is in Minnesota. So it was Sunday was a blast. I could have, I could have sat there and watched a late game if I didn't have my six year old with me. I would have sat there mm-hmm. with the Vikings and Twins guys and had a couple of beers and watched the late game and just talk about best practices and how we can help each other. So I think there's a real collegiate sense here of we're all trying to support each other. Um, it's a great, great, great sports market, and I'm just I'm just seeing it. I saw it firsthand on Sunday. I saw obviously our Lakers game last Friday. How raucous the crowd was. So. Um, I like. I've always kind of liked the Vikings, but that was more like a Madden thing. I used to like playing with them in Madden, but I'm, I'm a Ravens guy, so I can sneak in with the purple in the Vikings game, and no one know the difference. I got you. I got you. All right, serious question for you right now, and I don't expect you to have the correct or the definitive answer because time will tell. But what do you think will be the hardest part of building the Minnesota Timberwolves into an NBA champion? You know, it's so much of it's just luck. I think our goal, I think an obtainable goal is be a home court playoff team. Whether it's the, When we get there, I don't know, the sooner the better, obviously. I think when you're a home court playoff team, you kind of look yourself in the mirror and say you have a puncher's chance to win a championship. So I think in that regard, if we, if we again, if the inputs are always it's consistent and all, and we, you know, we know we're, we're outworking people, we're trying to outwork people, we're being consistent with our approaches, we're not we're not driven by fear. We're not unafraid not afraid to make mistakes. Um, we make mistakes that are well informed, um, and we and again, kind of we have some some luck. We have a, elite level talent. Um, we have an elite level coach. We have elite level ownership. I think we I think this city's elite level. I think the the, the NBA is going to see it more and more as we have more success. So then it's kind of when you get to the playoffs, is the matchup right? Are you healthy? So I think you can build a championship culture. I've never won a championship, so being disingenuous is tell for me to tell you this is how you win it all. But mm-hmm. I do think it's almost like you know in Vegas those high high limit rooms. Um, you just got to be at the table sometimes and keep playing hands, and hopefully your hand comes up. But I think we're we're on a track relative to the controllables. With the Rudy Gobert trade, you let it be known that Jay McDaniel's wasn't available. Um, talk about the importance of keeping him, and did you speak to him shortly after about his role? Yeah, I was just literally just talking to Jaden um, on the way over here. Um, it's you know he's an elite guy relative to his versatile profile, right? I think I think he can guard 
four positions in starting units and as many as five, a lot of backup units. He cares about guarding. He's got a legit toughness. You know, you can't teach toughness. I think he's got it. He's got grit. He's his offensive game is rapidly developing. He's natural with the ball. He's going to become a good shooter. You know, he's working on it. It's a work in progress there. Um, and he's about the right things. You know, he, he, he cares about winning. He really cares about c- competing. So when you have all those things and the guy's 21, 22 years old and he's six foot 10, it's, you know, it's not, e- not easy to find those guys. So we thought he was a guy that um, we should continue to build around. We have high expectations for him. I'm on him all the time. I, I don't want him just to be a one dimensional guy. Um, we don't want him to, to skip any steps. And we, we think if, Again, if we consistently challenge him much like Ant, we're going to see a, a better version each and every game. And over the course of years, you're going to see a guy that develop into like a, a really unique NBA player. All right, the final thing. You've been here, but you haven't been here too, too long. But what have you been told to partake in here in Minnesota that you haven't had the time to, to do quite yet? It was like when I moved to Denver. We didn't go, I never skied one time in nine years. Really? No, never. I mean, it's in season, so you really can't. You know, time is kind of difficult. Uh, I went to the fair. That was awesome. And I'd like to go back to the fair next time. What was your favorite food at the fair? Um, it's all about the food. I like the corn, but I, I was probably influenced by, by Free, one of our you know, colleagues in the PR department, because he mm-hmm. was so excited about the corn. So he might have built that up. It might have been, you know, if I go back, it might be something different. I didn't get the turkey leg. So wait, he overrated it a little bit? No, it was excellent. But he, okay. his excitement level was just fever pitched. So even if it was just okay, I had, I had to react like it was eating the best <laughs> thing of all time. Uh, but I like to go back there and just kind of, I mean, I didn't have a beer. There's some funky beers there. Mm-hmm. Sweet Martha's cookies. Had the cookies. Cookies okay. were excellent. Mm-hmm. They were really mm-hmm. good. Um, lemonade was really good. Mm-hmm. Did not have any meat at all. Mm. Which I, you know, you got to have some. You're in Minnesota, right? You got to have the big thing this year was the dill pickle pizza. Did you try that? Because I I'm did not, try it, and I actually I was blown away that it was pretty good. I'm not a pickle guy. I saw okay. I saw the dill pickle beer. So mm, yeah, but I'd like to go back there and just be gluttonous for like a four hour, just just <laughs> lean in on eating and drinking. You can have opportunities, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Hey Tim, it's a pleasure to have you on the Life in the Pack podcast, man. Thank you for having time. me. This is yeah. really fun. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 